Welcome to Mama Babies, a podcast for women with type 1 diabetes by women with type 1 diabetes. Join us every week as we navigate through pregnancy, birth and raising a child whilst living well with type 1 diabetes. The experiences shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Please seek the guidance of your treating team before making any changes to your diabetes or pregnancy care. Today we are talking about pregnancy loss. We understand listeners may find this a sensitive topic and we encourage you to reach out for support as needed. Today we are joined by special guest Sophie, who is passionate about raising awareness for pregnancy loss. Sophie wishes to help women and their partners feel less isolated in miscarriage experiences after she and her husband lost their first child through miscarriage. This week host Carly also shares her experience with pregnancy loss after she and her husband Drew miscarried their first baby prior to the births of Isabel and Noah. Today your hosts are Ash and Carly and this is Mama Beaties. Thanks for that introduction there, Carly. So as you said, we do have Sophie with us today. So I thought I might uh, pop over to Sophie very quickly to just introduce herself and talk a little bit about her diabetes, miscarriage and her subsequent pregnancy. Hello, everyone. So lovely to be with you all today. Um, So yeah, obviously, like Ash said, um, my name is Sophie. I am 32 years old. Um, I've been a type 1 diabetic for the last 10 years. Um, I have a beautiful, almost eight-month-old little boy, Archer. Um, But as the girls mentioned before, I had a miscarriage with our first pregnancy um, at uh, at almost nine weeks. Um, And, yeah, it's just, it's obviously a big process and I'm so pleased to be here to, you know, discuss um, all of this with, you know, women out there experiencing uh, pregnancy loss, it's just, it's a really, it's a really big time in women's lives, you know, um, in, in partners' lives. Um, so I'm very, you know, very grateful I've got this opportunity to talk about my experience uh, with pregnancy loss. I'm so pleased to have you on because um, um, even as, you know, just a, a woman who before pregnancy and now that I am pregnant, um, it is something that you do think about and something that you, you wonder about and just to get that kind of message out there that, it's, you know, it's common, it does happen, um, and that women aren't alone, I think is really important for people to kind of hear so that if anything does ever happen um, to them in their pregnancies, that they know that they're, they're not alone in their journey and that there's people who will support them. And, and um... Carly, did you want to share a little bit about your story as well with miscarriage? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, as everybody knows, I have two kiddos, Isabel and Noah, uh, but prior to uh, being pregnant with Isabel, uh, Drew and I were pregnant uh, maybe oh, not quite six months before we fell pregnant with Isabel. Uh, we started trying for a baby and not long after we started trying, we fell pregnant and we unfortunately suffered a miscarriage at 11 and a half weeks um, with our first bub. And it was... I think for us it was quite hard because we were just about to tell everybody. Like it, people say that um, that 12 weeks, you know, once you get to that, everything's fine. And we got so close um, with our first pregnancy. And we, uh, yeah, I think we never quite, well, I never quite got over it. Not that you, you do get over it, but it's still something that really um, impacts on me. And I think about quite frequently the fact that I should have more kiddos than I do now and 
that I don't know that it did change my perspective on pregnancy because it's not something that you really get to talk about with people. Nobody mentions or says to you that it's a high chance of having a miscarriage. Like lots of women do. So many women now since my pregnancy loss that I've spoken to um, have said, you know, so have I, me too. And it's just crazy. Like of all the women that I work with in my school, I, I honestly think maybe of the women who have children that six of them have had a miscarriage as well. And it's just something that I think it needs to be shared more because I felt so alone and so um, guilty, if that makes sense, when I had my pregnancy loss. Um, and then I also, going forward, and we'll, I guess we'll talk about this later, but then I also felt guilty with my subsequent pregnancies um, after my pregnancy loss because that's just a fun thing that happens um, when you do have a pregnancy loss. So I am really looking forward to talking with you guys tonight, especially you, Sophie, about this topic and, and hopefully giving some information to women out there who may not have been able to access it anywhere else. Definitely. I was watching Sophie nod her head the whole way through <laughs> as you spoke about um, your loss just then, Carly. Um, so I guess my first question for both of you ladies is, you know, how did that, that loss happen for you? I think when we think about loss um, when you're, you're pregnant, because I guess I thought about it too, you know, um, as you said, Carly, when you feel like the further, the closer you get to 12 weeks, the more, um, you know, you, it kind of like the pregnancy feels real and stuff. And I know that as I was getting towards that 12 week, I was watching the graph go down in terms of statistics of miscarriage. Um, certainly doing that. Um, so, but you, because I was watching that graph, I was thinking about, well, how does this work if it does happen? Um, silly thing to be thinking about when everything is going okay, but you never kind of know. So how did the losses happen for both yourselves? Um, so I was about eight and a half weeks when I was going for Sorry, I should backtrack a little bit. I, when I was, I fell pregnant very early, very quickly. We were very excited, extremely happy. Um, it was what, exactly what we wanted. We'd been married for a few months. We planned this. This is exactly the baby that we wanted to have. Um, so I went for a scan at five weeks. Um, because I had some spotting. So my GP was fantastic and said, just go and have a scan, get checked, you know, make sure everything's okay and we'll go from there. So I had my five-week um, ultrasound or internal ultrasound um, and the sonographer said, at the moment, it is still a bit too early to see a fetal heart pole at this point in time, which I completely understood, but she said, everything is there, everything looks good. So she said, come back in eight weeks time. And that's when we can have a more detailed ultrasound and see everything then. So obviously, you know, being this your first pregnancy, um, nobody, not barely anybody in my family knowing, just my mum, my sister and my husband knew at this point in time. Um, so being by myself and, you know, um, getting excited, I obviously jumped on Google and had a look at what an eight-week ultrasound was to look like just so I could have an idea of what I was going to expect because I actually went to this ultrasound by myself as my husband was working and my family lives in Sydney. Um, so I went to the eight-week ultrasound and she did a scan 
um, of my belly on the outside and just said, look, I want to do an internal. Is that okay with you? And I said, absolutely, totally fine. I was really excited, so happy. Um, so she did the internal ultrasound and there was this little bean that I was expecting to see on the screen. I was like, oh, like my if, if you were there, you would see my whole face light up. It was so exciting. I was so thrilled. But then the words that came out of her mouth were something that it just, sorry if I get a bit emotional. I'll never forget it. I will never forget it. She just said, unfortunately, I can't hear a heartbeat. And your world just shatters instantly in that point. I was by myself. I was alone. I had no one there. I had no support. Um, the sonographer was amazing. She just, she cuddled me instantly and just said, is there anything I can do for you? And I couldn't get out of there quick enough. I just wanted to be gone. I wanted to be out of that room. I wanted to be somewhere that was just not there. Um, so um, it was, it was, the only Such way to a lonely it, experience yeah, it, was, it was horrendous being by myself like I, you know I my husband after uh, as we'll continue on my husband never left my sight never, never let me go to another scan by myself ever again so that was amazing in that sense um but it was it was just painfully alone and it was just it was it was awful um because you don't expect to hear those words ever and again like you both have mentioned it is so common but nobody tells you how common it actually is until you are the statistic and that statistic makes you feel like you feel awful because you're like why did I have to become the statistic you know what I mean um so yeah that was that was it was it was awful that's the only way I can describe it it was awful yeah yeah, that sounds really tough to be so alone in such an emotional time. And I can I can definitely understand your reaction of just wanting to get out of there and just... Yeah, couldn't get out of there fast enough. I got into my car and I just remember bursting into tears. Just, I, I it's like, I, I, if, you, if you could explain it, like, I wouldn't have even been able to hear a pin drop, you know what I mean? Like, you know, people say there's this deadly silence. I don't reckon I would have even been able to hear a pin drop. I was that just that has so upset and so alone. Yeah. I, um, I, it just, I get more already tearing up just listening to you talk about it. I, um, we had had, um, a discussions like for quite a long time. So at that stage, Drew and I had been, um, together for oh, six years or so by the time we started trying for a baby. And, um, just with diabetes, you, you always hear like, how planned it has to be and like you need to have um you know your hp1c's of this and you need to have you know levels of that and be working with the team and, and everything is so um clinical when it comes to pregnancy with diabetes because you know there are the statistics are there for when we type 1 diabetes and we don't need to talk about that but there's all these things that can go wrong um unrelated to miscarriage or like things that can be impacted by diabetes so um we started talking with my team um at this stage we weren't married yet because we kind of had were under the impression basically that it was going to take us a very long time to get pregnant um just with everything being put together um so about oh, maybe three or four months before our wedding we thought oh look we'll just go off the pill now and like my team was happy with everything and they're like yep you know let's try um and we fell pregnant very quickly and we went to our first scan, um, our dating scan, I think it was at seven, 
seven weeks or seven and a half weeks or something like that. Um, and there was a little jelly bean there um, in its little thing. Um, and it was all very exciting. And they were able to um, show us a heartbeat at that point. Uh, we weren't able to hear it, but you could see the little flicker. Uh, and that was incredible. Like Sophie said, it's just... Um, we, you know, we wanted that baby, that baby, we, it wasn't an accident um, at that stage. It wasn't unplanned. It was, this is what we wanted. It was what we decided as a couple for our family. And we were just, um, it was insane. The feeling to, you know, when the, the strips turned pink and, and going in and seeing that little uh, baby in there and we think things kept going um, and we were actually planning on, uh, sharing our pregnancy at our wedding because at that stage we were going to be, I think we were going to be maybe 12, like just over like 12 weeks and three days or something when we got married um, and we were going to tell everybody at our wedding and, you know, we, I guess we kind of forward planned. I didn't really think too much about pregnancy loss or anything at the time um, and, yeah, I just remember going for one of our checkups and there not being a heartbeat anymore. Um, and I was, unlike Sophie, I wasn't by myself. I had Drew with me um, when we found that out. And it, it was the whole world just shattered, um, just shattered around us. And I just instantly was like, what did you do, Carly? Like, what's got, what have you done or what have you not done? Uh, and Drew was not obviously like that at all. He just was very stoic about it, I guess. He, he saw that I was just a complete mess and I was for a long time. And at that stage, that was like the week before we got married. Um, that's what I was just thinking. I was just like... Is this just before you got married? Yeah, yeah. So it was like, yeah, yeah like eight days or something before we got married, nine right. days. Um, and I just, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know because we had decided not to tell uh, anyone at that stage. And um, I think I've spoken about it before that I, um, I found it really hard to grieve my pregnancy loss because of that, because we hadn't told our families because we, you know, we had this big idea that we were going to share it um, after the 12 weeks and at our wedding. And I think it's something that for me is one of the constant reminders is our wedding anniversary uh, because that was, that was our plan. Like that was when we were going to share this pregnancy with everybody. And I, yeah, I just got lost in myself and in my diabetes went because I gave up. Um, we, we, okay, we were trying um, like prior to this pregnancy and we went in and out of trying because I'd been, um, you know, focusing on my diabetes and sometimes, you know, if I got results back that I wasn't happy with, we decided to stop trying because I didn't you know, want to have any extra risks and things. So it was kind of, um, 
yeah, like after a, a year or so of on and off trying to this commitment to try, I guess. And, yeah, it was just, I think it was hardest for me because at one stage there, there was a heartbeat, like there was a, that we were able to see um, and then there wasn't. And I don't know, I don't think it's any different to anybody else, but I think that, not that it maybe would have been easier, but I think that was the hardest part for me was that I had seen um, that jelly bean heartbeat and then yeah. I didn't get to see it the next time when I was expecting to. Yeah, so it was already really real for you that this baby was happening and then, then that and also, changed. At that stage, the pregnancy hypos were so real for me. Mm-hmm. So it was like that, that diabetes impact. I was already like feeling that in my life, the things from that pregnancy. I was already experiencing them. So that made it, I guess, extra real. I know yeah. that I've got two two ladies that I work with now are pregnant and, and one of them is like nearly maybe 17 weeks and she's like, I don't feel pregnant at all. Like I don't have any symptoms. She's, you know, one of the lucky ones, I guess. But I was already experiencing quite heavy pregnancy symptoms. Um, I've said before I was a super spear with both my kiddos um, that I do have now and I was very unwell in those early weeks with this bub. So I guess I having to go through all that stuff as well and then to be told actually no you're not going to be able to have this baby you're not going to be able to take this baby home um was a kick in the guts because I was doing all these things I was I was nauseous I was vomiting I was having crazy hypos um I was already adjusting my insulin and, and all these things um to go with pregnancy and then all of a sudden I wasn't yeah yeah that's I can imagine that would be really intense because I remember how I felt in first trimester and if somebody had told me that I would go through that and that I wouldn't get to take my sweet baby home, that would just be absolutely gutting. Yeah. Well, that's really emotional from both of you. Um, So kind of, I guess, leads me into my next question about the emotional impacts. (laughs) Um, hope we've all got our tissues ready. I feel like I need mine right next to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so what kind of emotional impacts did the loss have for you and your partner? I think, you know, you've both talked about how just overwhelmingly horrendous it was to hear those words that, um, you know, you weren't going to be able to bring this baby home. Um, but how did you kind of feel or grieve together? I just remember I came home. I remember I rang my husband and said to, you know, I said, Adam, you know, we don't, we don't have a baby anymore. And I drove myself home and he left work and came home as quick as he possibly could. And by that point in time, I curled myself into bed because it's where I felt comfortable. It's where I felt safe. Um, And I remember, I just remember him walking through the bedroom door and just the look on his face was just like, I don't, I don't know what, I'm going to say to you to make you feel better and to make you feel that you're not alone in this, but he just got into bed with me and I'm pretty sure we just lay there for, I can't remember how long, but it it was potentially all day. We just lay in my bed and he comforted me. He comforted me in a way that I will never be able to, you know, I've never been so grateful for that because I was so heartbroken at that point in time. And especially I think 
because you're still you're still pregnant at this point it's i you know this is this i for carly and myself we both had babies that didn't have heartbeats so it's it's you're still pregnant you're still carrying this child you're still carrying this baby this precious little thing that you wanted so badly and to have my husband get into bed with me and just be with me was the most i felt i felt safe but i felt incredibly sad and i mean my husband, uh, I just, I, I, it would have killed him. It would have absolutely killed him too, the way that it did me. But I think like Carly's husband, he was very stoic and very brave and put on a brave face for me and made sure that I was the one that was okay when really it was affecting both of us. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we, took, we took our time. Um, I, I took a lot longer than Adam would have um, because obviously I was carrying the baby, um, but he would have struggled equally the same amount as I did. Um, you know, so I'm just so grateful that I had him, but we were, you know, I think by the time that, you know, things started to calm down and we could process a little bit more, you know, to, it, it was hard because you start to like, like um, Carly said, you start to question, what did I do wrong? What did we do wrong? You know, you think, is it our fault? Is this, is this something because we didn't do this? Or is this because my diabetes wasn't in control? You start to have those what if questions. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's not your fault at all and nobody should ever feel like that regardless um you know but i think you have to have the support of those people that you you love dearly around you because without my husband coming you know being around at that point in time you just you just can't do it alone you need that support and you know he i, I can't imagine what he would have gone through from what I went through. So, so lucky to have him. And then obviously we had our family and um, family support. My family was my mum and my sister, who I'm very close with, live in Sydney. So I'm very lucky to have my dad down here. But I think people try very hard to support you, but they don't really know how to support you unless there's somebody that have been in that situation. But they obviously yeah. all very much care and want to be there for you. But the only way I could sort of, I felt like I was the only one that could understand it, but without understanding it, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Like it was, it was on your shoulders and no matter, nobody could take it off, no matter what. Yeah. And even if they had been through it, it's like, but you, you haven't been through, um, they hadn't been through your pregnancy loss. Yeah. And I think that for Drew and I, it, I think it was really hard for, and I, and I wonder if it was the same way for Adam, but it's almost like um, in society, like their dads aren't necessarily, not allowed is not the right word, but it's like there's no um, facilitation for partners to grieve a pregnancy loss mm -hmm. because like with me, like I was saying, like I was having these symptoms. I had all these things for me that that made the pregnancy real for me and not that it wasn't real, but like they just, that, that really... Um, solidified the pregnancy for me and I guess they're the things that made it um, so hard when when they said that there that there wasn't a baby in for me anymore um, and like when the nausea stopped um, like and when those pregnancy symptoms went away that was like a whole nother 
emotional shit show for me because it was like I was dealing with this this loss and then um like Sophie said like at that point you are still pregnant and like I had to go um for a DNC at at that stage and like having to go through that and having to go through like those pregnancy symptoms that continued um was just it was yeah it was insane because I I didn't have a baby to well I didn't have a a pregnancy that I knew was going to continue and like just watching Drew be so supportive and so like just bend over like backwards wait on me hand and foot like what did I need or who did I want to talk to and um like I went and saw uh, a psychologist um through our community health and and stuff like that to, to try and deal with um my pregnancy loss and I guess like I was saying before the guilt that I associated with it like you know one one in four women has a pregnancy loss in Australia which is a statistic that's insane and but I guess for me it was like I was the only one who was going through it and I like Sophie was saying like no matter who tried to support me or who tried to kind of tell me that it wasn't my fault or that you know these things happen it was just like but you don't know and I took that diabetes burden of blaming myself because I hadn't checked this or I hadn't done that or I you know there was some I had to have done it I guess was my my perspective was that it it can't have been Drew and it can't have been you know just a freak you know accident or situation like it it had to have been something I did and I think that was the the thing that impacted on me the most and also going forward into my subsequent pregnancies was that um like you did this and I really had to get some help, like professional help to deal with that. Um, And yeah, I just, like Sophie said, I'm just so thankful for my husband and the way that he just was there, like always there through everything after that and through that pregnancy and then our subsequent pregnancies, like he just was the best dude. Like (laughs) I just don't have any... I don't have any words and I never will have any words, um, especially because we were just going through it by ourselves yeah. and it's, yeah, we didn't have any family. We, we chose not to really tell people um, and even until after Isabel was born, we didn't really kind of tell people that we had had a pregnancy loss, uh, but it did, it did impact our future pregnancies, what had happened and, and when we chose to tell people and things because if that situation happened again, um, we didn't want to be going through it alone, which we really shouldn't have done the first time. We should have just <laughs> not been so, um, I guess, guarded about the situation because, yeah, one in four women, it's crazy. <laughs> it is a big statistic that uh, I think a lot of people don't realise that the statistic is that big. Um, but, Carly, you mentioned something um, just then about it impacting your, you, you know, your pregnancy loss impacting your future pregnancies in the way that you um, acted once you were pregnant again. I'm keen to hear a little bit more about that from um, both yourself, Carly, and Sophie, about how um, you having a miscarriage does impact a future pregnancy. 
Yeah, I guess um, similar to Carly, um, I opted to have a DNC um, because it was my way of processing the pregnancy loss. Um, I, in a bizarre way, I found it in a much more controlled way of having to say goodbye to my baby. I felt more safer going to a hospital and having doctors and nurses around me and support me in that sense. Um, so that was, you know, that was really helpful and whatnot. And, you know, I, not disregarding this pregnancy, but, but, but we wanted a baby so, so badly. This is what we wanted. This is what we've been speaking about since we'd been together, you know, in the lead up to our wedding and so forth. And, you know, that the, my amazing doctor who did my DNC, who then ended up being my obstetrician, you know, he said, you've got really good chance of falling a pre uh, falling pregnant again after having your dnc so i chose to have the dnc um to sort of just process everything to not i don't want to dis never disregard it but start fresh again and just feel back to my normal self and then process how we were going to then plan for our next pregnancy um it was never easy um, because we, we were trying, that's what we were doing. We wanted this, we wanted a baby. So trying, you know, you, you make time for it, you plan for it. Um, so, you know, it, it affects everything that you do. Um, and moving forward, um, for, we, we were so lucky and I'm so grateful that six weeks after we had our DNC, we fell pregnant again, very quickly and very lucky. Um, but, it was it was frightening. I was petrified. I was excited, but petrified the instant that I saw that second line appear on that pregnancy test. Yeah. And like Carly said, um, she just chose to keep, you know, her pregnancy loss a secret. I this time chose not to tell anyone that I was pregnant. I didn't even tell my husband until he got home from work that afternoon because I just couldn't process it myself. Um, and I had just been, and that afternoon, I had just been at my follow-up appointment with my um, doctor to make sure that everything from the DNC had healed and vice versa. So it was a complete mind boggle what was going on. And then obviously finding out that I was pregnant again, um, you go through the, the roller coaster of emotions. Like I, I had a baby not long ago and I'm, you're telling me that I'm pregnant again. Uh, is my diabetes in control? Because like Carly said, um, with your diabetes, you don't realize how much of the roller coaster that you go through. I was going through hypos. Then after my DNC, I was experiencing um, uh, uh, high blood sugars, all of that. So you're going, am I back in control again? Can I, can I manage this? Have I still got excess hormones running from the last pregnancy to going into this pregnancy? Um, you know, and then this pregnancy second time round, you kind of go, okay, I had a pregnancy loss the first time I'm pregnant again. Surely this is going to be okay. We're going to take it, you know, take it day by day. I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. Um, which, you know, it's hard to do when you've got a little baby on board. You get so excited because you're growing this tiny little person that you want so badly. Um, but I, I definitely did take it day by day. But at five weeks, when we were five weeks pregnant, um, I had a very big bleed. And so from that instant, 
I, I never, I'll never forget Adam again being the most supportive person. I went to, I just shut down completely because I thought, here we go again. I'm, I'm losing another baby. Um, so I was petrified, petrified. I was, the anxiety riddled me. I've never been an anxious person, but I, I have been, I was anxious from the minute that I fell pregnant to the minute that Archer was born. Um, you know, and from, from five weeks up until 14 weeks, I had bleeding on and off with Archer. So as you can obviously see, managing your diabetes, let alone being in hospital, in and out of hospital before you're even 12 weeks pregnant, you know, with this, next baby that you so desperately want and going through these i wouldn't say they were complications but they made me feel like they were complications i was petrified petrified that i was going to lose him i was so lucky that my obstetrician was so incredible and every time that i was anxious or i was nervous or i was worried he would just say come in don't don't sit at home don't be by yourself come and see me go to the hospital do this do that but it, this, this second pregnancy was more frightening than the first time I found out I was pregnant because you are so worried that you're going to again experience another pregnancy loss. And then on top of that, I had the bleeding, which was just, uh, it was frightening. So you just, the process of trying to just manage everything and then on top of that having a chronic illness that you're also managing, it's just, it, this, the second pregnancy it was definitely, definitely hard. And I completely agree with what you said in that, like from the, the day that I found out I was pregnant with Isabel, I was like so, I don't know whether the word like is frightened, but I will, I'll use it. Like I was just so frightened because I was so acutely aware of the worst case scenario uh, because we fell pregnant with Belle not quite four months um, after our pregnancy loss, I think it was, yeah, I think it was about four months. Um, and like, it was all still so fresh. And like you said, like only really not even like a month before I kind of found out I was pregnant with Isabel, I'd had my review for my DNC and stuff. So it was still all very fresh. And like I said before, and like I've said, um, like previously in my kind of our unplanned episode, like Isabel, um, was I was not ready to be pregnant with Isabel when we fell pregnant with her emotionally. Like I wasn't, um, I wasn't ready. I was still like acutely, acutely grieving our pregnancy loss. And it's not to say that I got over it and I never, I never will get over my pregnancy loss, but um, yeah, I wasn't ready to be pregnant with her when I found out um, that we were pregnant and I I was, I was so frightened and anxious. Like I, I just refused to believe it was real until we were on the table and I heard her cry. Like, I think it was on Like, I honestly think it was that at that point that I was like, holy crap, we actually made it. Like, I think I was just at the whole way through my pregnancy with her. And I think this, I was with Noah, but I don't, I don't think I was um, as anxious with Noah. And I think that's partly because I, I had a kid, like I had a baby that I was trying to look after already, like, and still a baby. Like Isabel was shived, just shy of 10 months when we fell pregnant with Noah. Like I was, um, in a, in a way I was thankful for that because I guess I wasn't able to focus too much on 
the second, which sounds terrible, but I wasn't able to focus on Noah's pregnancy like I was with Isabel's because I was so busy already. And that I guess that was a blessing in disguise because I wasn't able to sit there um, like for just in the afternoon after work and just go, okay, um, here's A, B, C, D, E, F, things that could go wrong or, or here's, you know, I, I felt a twinge today. Like, you know, what does that mean? And like you, Sophie, at seven, seven and a bit weeks with Isabel, um, I had quite a big bleed and we had to go to hospital and I was just convinced. Like I just burst into tears and like, you know, we were going driving to the hospital and I was just like, why, why bother? Like why are we, like we know what it is. We know we're, we're having a pregnancy loss again. We know what it is. Um, and when we got to the hospital and they told us, you know, everything is fine, come back in a couple of days, everything was fine, then I was still kind of like, I guess, unable to process it, um, that it was fine. And, yeah, I think it honestly took me right up until they, both those kiddos were taken out of my stomach and given to me that I was like, we actually made it the whole way through because I was, yeah, it was just so acutely aware of, um, the things that could go wrong and I just like like you said before so it's just in my head forever like that woman telling us that I'm so sorry but like it's just it just plays over and over and over and even and now like you know it's just a thing that I'll just never forget and you know I don't really know how it affected Drew because he is so like focused on how it affected me but I just I think that if we were to have any more pregnancies I don't think the anxiety would go away no it will never go away like yeah and like you were saying I think you you're in the car on the way to the hospital going we're going through another pregnancy loss I think my way of coping with all those significant bleeds was preparing for the worst I like you I was anxious until the minute they gave me Archer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's, I think women who have ha- experienced a loss, um, you protect yourself in a way that it's not, so you don't, you don't feel sad or hurt or upset when you are given the negative news, even though it's positive news. Even when they told me that like when I went to hospital and had scans, like everything's fine, I still couldn't process that it was fine. It was just yeah. my way of protecting myself. Yeah, and I think that so the the other way it did impact is that we, pardon me, with both of our subsequent pregnancies, like we told people straight away. Um, we told our dads, we told um, like our best friends, um, and we just didn't want to go through the same thing again. But also, um, we that's kind of when we started to think like this stigma associated with pregnancy loss or this like um, don't tell anybody until 12 weeks because blah, like whatever the reasoning is behind not telling people until 12 weeks. But it's like we decided that we didn't like that anymore after what we went through the first time. So I think, yeah, we told people with like certain people with both of our pregnancies from like five weeks um, to kind of open that circle up again and and you know we are very lucky and very thankful that we didn't have to go through that situation again um, but uh, yeah I I chose that I wanted people to know very early on that we were pregnant because if I was to have to grieve another pregnancy loss um, I wanted people to know why I think that was and like because especially because of our wedding like Look, I had a beautiful wedding. I was very happy at my wedding, but I think people could tell that um, 
something wasn't quite right. And I think people thought that maybe I was like a shitty bride because I was like upset about something about my wedding, but it wasn't anything to do with my wedding. It was to do with something else, but not being able to explain that to people um, was very hard. And yeah, I just didn't want to be in that situation again. Especially when your wedding had been the place that you were going to tell people. Mm. Yeah. So I think probably my next question then um, is kind of we talked about the emotional impacts. Um, what did you do to help with that? So how did you access support following your pregnancy loss? Or who did you access support from? Yeah. So I think, I mean, for people that know me, um, I'm a big talker. As you probably can tell, I'm talking a lot right now. Um, I don't like to keep things, um, I guess I'm not a very private person. I like to share a lot of things. Um, so I use social media quite a lot. It's my way that I reach out to friends and family. Um, so I used my social media platform to let people know that I had experienced a miscarriage because it was my way of processing as well. I could write down everything that I was feeling. Um, I could almost um, just put in the words that I, I wanted it to sound like and I wanted to explain to people how I was feeling. Um, so, you know, posting it out to the world to see and to, you know, family and friends who might not necessarily have known that I was pregnant at that point in time um, to knowing that I was pregnant to then losing this little person, you know, it was, it was that way of having people then come back and support you. And like Carly said, the statistic is one in four. So I was getting people inboxing me on Facebook or DMing me on Instagram saying, I've been through the exact same thing, but you know what? I had no idea that they went through the exact same thing. These are girls that I went to school with. These are people that I've worked with. You know, these are, you know, friends who have friends that have had a miscarriage. It's so common and it breaks my heart that women go through this alone. Um, you know, so I use my social media platform to allow me to, you know, process what I was feeling, but I wanted people to know that this is common, but you should never feel alone ever. Um, and, you know, obviously then there's, um, there's Panda, which is absolutely incredible for anybody who is experiencing any sort of anxiety or stress, regardless whether you're pregnant, ex um, expecting, trying, pregnancy loss, they were incredible. I called them multiple times just to process when I was pregnant with the second pregnancy, um, when I had my miscarriage. Um, and then obviously we have the amazing diabetes pregnancy group that we're a part of and the women in that group are, are hands down the most incredible women we are so lucky that we have their support as well to reach out and just ask questions you know so I found social media a really important um, tool and a really um, nice way to feel comforted and supported in that way I am um, I never called panda um and i really looking back now should have i look like i said before i accessed a um a community psychologist through our community health who was fantastic um she 
was great for me and it's she had experienced a pregnancy loss herself um too I think actually if I think hard enough on it and I think for me that was like a match made in heaven like I don't think they could have paired me with someone to talk through my experience any better than that um because like we were saying before like going through a pregnancy loss and people like comforting you even if they have been through it it's still um you're not going through the exact same thing and it was so hard for me to kind of allow people in but I think that having the person who I was speaking with about the emotional impact and the psychological impact and you know because I like I said I kind of just gave up on managing my diabetes at that point like for a little bit I was just in burnout as a result of my pregnancy loss and um you know so that impact like my health how I was going with everything like that and um but I, I just had to talk to someone like I uh, and I guess, yeah, that's why I found it so hard not to have our friends and family. But I almost felt like it was an afterthought, like telling people after we had a pregnancy loss um, seemed misguided to me at the time. And now I disagree. But I almost didn't want to. We didn't want to tell people that we had a pregnancy loss because we were like, we were pregnant. P.S. Now we're not. And that just seemed almost worse than telling them in the first place. So I really liked having um, this woman that I spoke with also because she was completely outside. Like she didn't know anything about us. She didn't know anything really like about our like journey to getting pregnant or um, like anything like that, which I think was best for me. I think that one of the hardest things, like since telling people that we've had a pregnancy loss and stuff and, and people going, oh, you don't deserve that and like um, this sounds so silly but like making it about me and like how I didn't, um, it's not fair on me and, and I didn't deserve this and I, sh you know, it's, it, it's, it wasn't this and it wasn't that and blah, blah, blah. I, I almost, I guess is where this guilt thing starts is that I guess I felt really hard, really hardly done by, I guess, because people made it about me and not about my baby. Mm. Um, because, and I don't know if, if you like went through the same thing, Sophie, or if, if other people who've had pregnancy loss do. Like, people are, are very apologetic and sympathetic and empathetic and things, but um, like, I had a person, I was having a baby. Um, and like that to me that was a little person like that was someone who was just as important as I am and yeah. um going through that loss and then having people like say sorry and then kind of move on and move it just back to me was really hard yeah um after the fact because it wasn't just me and I think people like I said before they forget about your partner as well like everybody wants to know how how you are doing which is totally justified and I love that people care and, and that but I Drew got asked a lot less how he was doing than I got asked and I think that sucks and I know that um I can't remember the agency and I will have to try and find it um, to add to our show notes but the psychologist that I saw gave me a number for Drew to ring um yeah as he couldn't remember what it was called when I asked him about it today, but I will find it um, and I'll add it to our show notes, but for men to call um, to talk about it. And he did, I think once or twice he rang to speak to somebody and then he kind of was able to cope better than I was. So he was able to kind of focus on future thinking and future pregnancy and, and moving. Um, like you said, Sophie, like not that you forget about it or shut it off, but like just, 
getting ready to continue that journey, like not, yeah, not forgetting and not brushing it off, but just getting ready to move forward, not move on, if that makes sense. But I will find it and I'll add it. (laughs) I think that's really important to acknowledge that your partner also needs support. Um, Like you said, I think men probably do get forgotten in the same um, way that your baby, unfortunately, you know, isn't acknowledged in the way that it should be after a pregnancy loss because your baby was there. Your baby did exist. Um, Whether or not you got to hold them in your arms afterwards, they still were there. So I think it, yeah, really important that you guys did kind of seek support for your partners and to also um, remember your baby as well, which kind of brings me on to my next question was, did you and your partner do anything to remember your child after your loss? Or do you continue to do things to remember your child? Yeah. So um, obviously when I fell pregnant with Archer, um, I found, um, I was, you know, everyone says, you know, that uh, um, a baby after pregnancy loss is your rainbow baby, which, um, you know, I didn't really know about rainbow babies until I had my loss. So I'm, I, I love the rainbow baby. I think it's the most beautiful little piece of happiness. You know, a rainbow is something so beautiful and to, you know, to be you know, have this little baby that is your rainbow baby. I constantly talk about Archer being my rainbow baby. I'm not, you know, I think some people think, you know, talking about your rainbow baby too much. I think people think that you're still processing the grieving loss, if that makes sense. But um, I found um, this incredibly talented um, uh, girl on Instagram. Um, her, her business page is called Mac and Me and she makes beautiful macrame um, handmade um, rainbows. Um, so it was just, it was beautiful. Um, so I um, Instagram messaged her and just said, look, I'm wanting to make a rainbow um, for my little boy we knew that we were having a boy um but i would like to know if you would be able to incorporate some pink into the rainbow that we're picking for our little girl that we lost um so she made this beautiful custom rainbow it's got grays and blues and greens for archer and it just has the most perfect little pink strip in the middle and the rainbow hangs up in archer's bedroom it's in the doorway so every time i walk in there it's the first thing that i see so she's there he's there it's just, it's just the perfect little piece and it just makes me so happy. Um, and, you know, um, she took so much care and pride and made sure she showed me everything when she was making it. And it's just the most beautiful little rainbow. Um, and obviously, you know, when you go out, you see rainbows everywhere. And every time I see a rainbow, I think of Archer, but I also think of our little girl. I think that's lovely to your children are kind of in the one place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we... We kind of, um, we often talk about um, our little one uh, on our wedding anniversary. Like that's kind of our, I guess, the date that we've chosen. Um, Obviously, we we had a due date and things like that. But uh, we, yeah, we've kind of made their date our wedding anniversary where we, um, yeah, we kind of stop and, and remember, and we have a little, um, like we have a little candle that we, so uh, Drew and I both lost our mums, like completely unrelated to pregnancy. And so at our wedding, we had a little um, like a table where we had a photo each of them and, and a candle um, 
specifically that we chose that reminded us like you know drew had one that was like <laughs> like a coconut flavor because his mum's from byron bay and then i had one that's lavender and, and stuff like that and we um bought a third candle the week before our wedding um and we kept it and we add <laughs> sounds so silly, but like we add wax to it every year um because it was just a plain like it wasn't scented it wasn't kind of fluffy or special like wasn't fancy in any way I mean but um and it's a glass jar and it's got a beautiful wooden heart um on string around the jar and we yeah add wax and wick to it every year and we burn it all day um on our wedding anniversary and that's that's what we do and this year actually for mother's day uh, because, you know, Drew and I have decided that we don't want to have any more children. Uh, sometimes I think that I do, but I definitely think we are done. Um, Drew actually bought me this beautiful necklace that um, has three pendants on it and it's got um, my kiddo's initials. So one of the pendants has an I and one has an N um, and then he bought a third pendant with just a love heart on it um, that I wear almost every day. And so I've got my three kiddos, like, well, our three kiddos, um, yeah, that I wear every day and it's just something that um, is for me. Like I don't need to, like nobody's ever questioned, um, like lots of people have commented on my necklace, but nobody's ever questioned what the third pendant is and why it's a love heart and, and I don't need, I don't feel the need to kind of explain that to people or because I just know that like that's what it is. I've got Isabel and Noah and our little jelly bean, like that are all there um, and that's my daily reminder like that's my all three of your babies yeah that's my everyone all there at once so yeah similar to you Carly like um you know for our due date um you know last year um we bought a birthday cake you know what I mean we bought a birthday cake and we'll buy a birthday cake this year and we'll buy a birthday cake for every other year and it's not that it'll just be for me and my husband and Archer included and you know that's what we're going to do for for as long as we want to, you know, it's, yeah. it, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's due date, birth date, they're going to still be remembered regardless. Yeah. I think that's lovely. Really. Uh, yeah. Really good. I like the idea of um, involving art and the birthday kick as, as you know, he, he grows old. He kind of understands that he actually has an older sibling um, that he just didn't get to meet. <laughs> I think that's it is that that's a conversation that we will have um like as our kiddos get older and I think particularly because I have a daughter yeah. um, and I want her, like as Isabel grows up and I, you know, she heaven forbid becomes a teenager and then an adult and then a mother herself, like that's just too far ahead for my brain. But I will never hide it from my children because I think particularly because I have a daughter who may go through the same thing that I went through and a son whose partner may like, but particularly for Isabel that, I want her to know that it's common and that I know what it's like. And I don't want her to ever feel like she can't tell me. Like I felt like I couldn't tell my dad when I was early days in pregnancy and stuff like that. So it's a conversation that we will definitely be having like as our kiddos get older and, and kind of understand a little bit more right now. It's just all about frozen. So we can't really talk about anything else. <laughs> I guess my last question for the night is what would you want other women and their partners to know about pregnancy loss or miscarriage? I think for me, especially when I miscarried was that every the first thing that I heard was it's so common. 
it's so common. But the thing is, you don't, it doesn't feel common at all when someone tells you and you do feel so alone. And I hate saying, but it is common and I don't want women to be alone. I don't want women's partners to be alone. No one should be alone regardless whether you lose a pregnancy early or you lose a pregnancy later on. Um, it's so important that people, you know, like you all said that, you know, Carly said that lots of people went to her to offer her support, but you know, you've got to remember that was a little person. You wanted that little person and no one is ever going to take that little person away from you. Regardless, that is your baby. It will always be your baby regardless. Um, but I just want women to know that you aren't alone and, you know, you need to reach out when you feel comfortable, if you feel comfortable to reach out to people and talk. I found it the most, you know, most healing way for me was to talk about it. And like you said, Ash, I'm very open in, you know, discussing my miscarriage with other people because I don't want people to feel alone because I, I remember at that point in time, I was so sad and so alone, especially because it was my first baby and I wanted that baby. Um, it breaks my heart that women go through this alone and women's partners go through this alone. And, you know, it, sh it shouldn't be a taboo subject. People need to talk about it. You know, the more we talk about it, the more we feel comfortable with things, you know, the more, you know, it might, it might help somebody feel, you know, better, you know, some, you know, there's women out there who might not feel comfortable talking about it, but I want them to know that they aren't alone if they're not going to talk about it. I just think it's so important that we are there to support each other. And regardless, like I said, regardless, that baby is always going to be your baby. Don't let, you know, this one in four statistic take that away from you because that little person will always be your little person. I completely agree. And I think also um, the thing that I um, want people to understand especially people who haven't had pregnancy loss, um, is that having subsequent pregnancies doesn't negate a pregnancy loss. It doesn't make it easier. It doesn't make it um, better. It doesn't make you forget. In some ways, it almost makes it worse. I was talking before we started recording tonight that I felt an immense deal of guilt with both of my subsequent pregnancies after my pregnancy loss because those those babies made it they they stuck it out like I I got to take those two babies home but I didn't get to take my first baby home and that is an incredibly hard thing to describe of how that make how it made me feel and like yeah for people who haven't had a pregnancy loss it doesn't make it better easier or doesn't help move on um when you have subsequent children. And I think that for women who do have pregnancy loss, like Sophie was saying, it is insane that it is one in four women in Australia, yet before I had my pregnancy loss, I didn't know a single woman or, sorry, I didn't realise I had known a single woman who had a pregnancy loss because it seems, like you said, Sophie, like it's a taboo subject, like people don't want to talk about it or um, don't feel that they can and, um it's it shouldn't be it should it should be open and I'm, I am now quite open about my pregnancy loss I wasn't to begin with and it even took until after the birth of Isabel for me to be open about it but it's something that um, I am super open about now and I hope that it helps people 
find some sense of community. Like going through a pregnancy loss is never something to go through by yourself. Um, and same thing for your partners. I think that my biggest my biggest thing, and I think it's what I come back to quite a bit through Mama Beaties, is that everything we go through, our partners are going through in their own way as well. And society, for whatever reason, chooses to kind of forget dads quite a bit. Um, and especially going through a pregnancy loss like like you and Adam, Sophie, like you guys wanted that baby. You were ready. Like Drew and I wanted our baby. We we were trying. It was all planned. Everything was good. Um, he wanted that baby just as much as I did. So when I was told, you know, I'm sorry, he was told I'm sorry, but as well. And I think that our partners are amazing and they, they seem to be incredibly resilient, but touch base with your partner as often as you can and find them resources as well because whatever you're going through they're going through as well in their own way however society will let them go through it thanks carly and thanks sophie i think uh the messages that you, you just gave to women are really important and i hope that um for all of our listeners out there um hope that you you've been able to take something from what carly and sophie have said today um, and I just want to thank you ladies for being so open and honest tonight. Um, it was really humbling to listen to and, you know, to just hear about how your, your families came about and, and the babies that you didn't get to take home and how that has affected you and for sharing your voice to other women. Uh, so I think I'm going to wrap up now. So thank you for joining us for another week with Mama Babies. If you would like support for miscarriage or pregnancy loss, please speak to your healthcare team or reach out to one of the supportive organisations such as SAMS, which is an independent organisation providing support for miscarriage, stillbirth and newborn death. You can call them on 1300 072 637. You can also contact Pregnancy, Birth and Baby on 1800 882 436 for emotional support and referral to appropriate organisations. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode and leave us a review so that others can find us too. Remember to follow us on Facebook, just search Mama Beaties, Twitter at Mama Beaties or on Instagram at Mama Beaties underscore podcast. To reach out, please email us at mamabeaties.podcast at gmail.com. If during this podcast series you feel you need to reach out for additional support, please contact your usual training team. Panda's Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Helpline on 1300 726 306 or Lifeline on 13 11 14 outside of Panda's operating hours. 